0: Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm obviously joined by my co-host and hu- husband right here, Josiah Keneally. How are you doing this morning? morning.
1: We're, we're alive, we're feeling alive, we're doing awesome, downtown Minneapolis, recording in the studio, really excited about all that God's doing in season two of the podcast, excited looking to march for the first ever Young Adults podcast, and here we go.
0: Conference, not podcast.
1: That's
2: what he meant.
0: That's what he meant. (laughs) I think he's still sleeping. He hasn't drank my coffee yet. Well, we just want to say that we are so honored and privileged to be on the air today with one of our special guests, one of our favorite people. And Josiah, would you be willing to introduce that individual to us and the audience today?
1: Yeah, we're joined today by somebody who every project that I've ever worked on that was significant of any kind, I try to invite into the process. His name's Jared Sebesta. And Jared spent 12 years as a TV meteorologist at Care 11, a long time powerhouse station in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And in 2014, after much contemplation and much prayer, Jared left this thriving, high-profile career. It was a move that came to a surprise to us and to many people, including even some of his family, but it was apparent to Jared that God was leading him into an entirely different direction, which happens sometimes. And for him, it was out of TV, out of the big city, and into a much simpler, quieter lifestyle. With a tentative plan uh, to head back to where it all started in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Jared instead found himself jobless and on the brink of an identity crisis. But through a chance phone call from his soon-to-be future boss, Ben Tajus, Jared began the process of finding his true identity and purpose, which has led to his amazing testimony, which he now uses to inspire literally thousands of people to begin living the dream he's also the host of the repurposed podcast which is picked up by faith radio and again jared's been a friend mentor and valuable voice in my life over the past few years and micah's as well so jared what's up our friend welcome to the show thanks for taking time to be with us and our audience today
3: Yeah, great to chat with you. I appreciate the introduction. A lot of people don't know this, by the way. We got got connected when I was doing television, and you lived in the area, but people thought that we looked alike, and I have to say, you're a very handsome man. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much, I'll Try not to let that go to my head, but that is a funny story. I would go to weddings. I would go to church, and Jared, you're a lot taller than I am. I'm only 5'10", maybe 5'11", with Air Jordans on, but... I guess people, like, I would get it all the time. Like, hey, we saw you on Care Love. I, I was working really? at a place called Grand Slam all the time. Like, we didn't know you worked here too. We just saw you on the news. It was like, hey. And so
3: well, we, if, it's any, if it's any consolation, I still, every time I go somewhere and speak or whatever, the first thing people say, I didn't believe you were this tall. I'm 6'6". Six, six. So it's just, I am in, I'm just kind of freakishly tall, awkwardly tall. And uh, it just didn't <laughs> work on TV. You know? So that's one of the reasons I do that.
0: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, Jared, we are so honored that you are joining us today, and we're just going to kick off and dive into career and calling. Will you be willing to share and start us off by just including us in on your journey of discovering your own, your own career, your own calling throughout the years?
3: absolutely i'll give you kind of the condensed version so i grew up in southwest minnesota always had a, a fascination with weather um, i joke and this is kind of an off-color joke so i apologize in, in, a, in advance but i was raised in a trailer home and so i think that's always why that weather fascinated me because i thought i was going to die all the time growing up and uh I usually gets a laugh so I yeah. hope I, again listeners aren't offended by that but there, there is some truth in that but i always loved weather and um went off to college and I had a chance to play college basketball while I was uh, studying weather and always knew I wanted to do weather. TV was kind of like, I, that wasn't even on my radar, no pun intended, but I knew I wanted to do weather. and. Um, graduated, didn't really put a lot of thought into my career because I was busy playing basketball, took an internship randomly in Duluth, Minnesota, KBJR, and uh, (laughs) realized pretty quickly like this was the path for me because it really didn't take a lot of skill. It was basically just me talking for two to three minutes at a time. And uh, it kind of fit my personality. And uh, so made this horrific resume tape. This is, by the way, this is back in like 2001, 2002, before you guys were born. But not uh, true. Uh, <laughs> I got my first job in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, spent five years there, uh, met my wife there, uh, ended up getting a job in Phoenix, Arizona in 2007. So went to a real big market, uh, spent three years there, and then landed at kind of the dream job, so to speak. If you're from um, Minnesota, the upper Midwest, and the Twin Cities, and not only got a chance to work in the Twin Cities, but had a chance to work at what's called Carol Evans, the NBC affiliate in town. Uh, as you mentioned, a kind of a historic top rank station and um, a station I grew up watching. Uh, legendary TV anchors have been a part of CARE 11 over the years since the 70s and 80s, and so I had a chance to basically live the dream and uh, was able to kind of climb the ranks pretty quickly in four and a half short years at CARE 11, and then kind of out of nowhere left when everything was really clicking. And uh, when I left, it wasn't that I left to change jobs. I literally left with no job, uh, I walked voluntarily in, in unemployment. I had a tentative plan just to kind of go west, and that was really about it. My wife was also pregnant with our third child. Wow! And so again, from the outside, it looked a little crazy, and I knew, and I didn't really realize how crazy it looked right away. I remember. <laughs> when word came out that i was leaving i started getting phone calls from people just asking questions i actually got a phone call from the pioneer press in saint paul minnesota and they wanted to just kind of pick my brain and maybe just do a quick story which was weird to me because i thought honest to goodness i thought that i was going to leave and it was just that was it and i'm literally walking on the treadmill like the lifetime fitness in maple grove minnesota doing a kind of a pseudo phone interview with this gal with the pioneer press and Usually, it's like a couple of bullet points, and we're off the phone in eight to 10 minutes. We talked for 45 minutes. Wow. And within a half an hour, she was in tears.
1: Oh, my word. And it wasn't
3: because of my story, so inspiring. It was because my story connected with her. Because hmm. she admitted on this phone, she's like, Man, what you're doing, I've always wanted to do. Like, I feel stuck in my career. She's like, I would do anything to have the freedom to be able to do what you're doing. And that has led to kind of the message I stand on. I I instantly started getting asked to speak at events. And I'm like, about what? You know, I mean, it was really (laughs) weird. Like the very, I feel so bad for the first speaking engagement I ever had, because I I guarantee I had no point. I was just like, I just rambled on for 20 minutes and talked about my story. Again, had no point. But that has now kind of led into, again, this platform of just really living at a different level. And there, there, there's many facets of this, but it's really about life, understanding purpose, living with intentionality and then tying them in with our finances and mm-hmm. has really led well into what I do now. I work for a small financial firm in West Central Minnesota. My official title, so to speak, is business development and marketing. But I, I'm also a financial coach. I get a chance to go and, now and speak to groups all over all the time, to companies and associations and preach this message of life and money. But it's more than money. And I always say that. I'll tell, I'll tell audiences, I'll say, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to talk about money for the next two hours, but at the crux of my talk, it's not really about money. It's about life, marriage, living with more meaning and freedom.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's kind of the five-minute version.
0: That's great.
1: I think that's amazing. And Jared, <clears throat> one of the things that I know about you is that your faith journey also has played a role in that. And I just want to ask because when we talk to college students, when we talk to young adults, one of the top two questions we get anywhere is how does my work and my faith or my vocation, my calling, my craft, my career, how does my faith integrate and connect to that? And along your journey you've discovered what that means for you. Would you just share at least for you? It might resonate like it did for the Gallup Pioneer Press. Like, would you just share your thought process of how your faith doesn't just, is, it's not just a Sunday thing for you. It also sure. shapes and, and integrates with your whole life, your marriage, your family, your finances, even your career. And can you specifically talk about sure. the crossroads of career and um, faith?
3: Yeah, um, well, let me start kind of back when I was doing TV. Again, the the decision to leave didn't just come out of nowhere. That was probably something that got put on my heart probably a decade prior to that point. Even when I was doing TV in Sioux Falls, crazy. In the back in my mind, I was always like, I don't know if this is always going to be a thing. I don't know if I'm going to retire as a TV weatherman. And it, what was interesting is that the more successful I got in my career, the stronger it got. Which is weird.
2: Interesting, right? And then it got to a
3: point where I'm like, I knew without a shadow of a doubt six months before my final show, like it was over. I knew at the end of my at the end of my contract, I was leaving. And if I had to describe what that was like, again, that wasn't a decision I came up with. It was it was hundreds of hours of conversations and prayer with my wife, hundreds of hours minimum, to come to that point. But if I have to be, and I don't share this a lot with people because I I don't get a chance to share a lot in in faith based audiences like this. But if I had to be honest, one of the biggest reasons I left TV was because I felt called. I mean, it was really, it was a very, I I felt like if I were to re-sign another three-year deal in TV, I'm literally going against everything that God's trying to push me into. I had no idea it was coming. And what's interesting, if I had known what was coming at that time, I probably wouldn't have done it. (laughs) (laughs) I I had like a massive crash. I mean, for the next two years, I was on my face, just pacing around my house, like wondering, who am I? I did have a massive identity crisis. But now on the other side of that, God, I think what he was trying to do with me was do a big old fat reset. And we'll get into this, I'm sure, deeper in the conversation. But really, my identity was so wrapped up in my job. And now I'm able to execute my purpose through my job And what makes this so important is that my purpose is now wrapped up in impacting other people. If I have to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest with Mm -hmm. you, when I was on TV, it was really all about me. My identity was wrapped up in me. Right. I think, and this is, I, I have a hard time saying this out loud, but it's true. I think God loved me so much that he called me out of it. Wow. Which is, which is like, and I, and I came to that epiphany like two years ago. And I remember I was literally talking it out with somebody and, and that, that statement came out. I'm like, I think he loved me so much that he actually called me out of it. Cause he knew the direction I was headed. I, I mean, I was a, I was a fun guy, Joe. you remember, you know, we, we, totally. we, we hung out and yes. I would I don't think that you would have considered me like an egomaniac, no. but the reality was, is that my heart was really wrapped up into who I was so it took kind of going through the desert so to speak Hmm. went through kind of a really rough two-year patch and nobody saw this by the way right the only person that saw this was me and my wife and then it kind of hit reset and now again no disrespect to my current employer but I mean I live out in Wilmer Minnesota I live in flyover territory and that's no disrespect to the people who live out here this is a great community I work for seven other people in a little building and for the most part live a very low profile life Mm -hmm. but I would say that I'm able to execute my purpose and my God-given calling way more now Mm -hmm. than I ever did even when I was on TV when I had the glitz and the glam of the TV biz. And, you know, as you know, faith isn't just about what you do on Sunday mornings. And I know a lot of people in ministry are listening to this. And so it's tough because my vocation isn't in quote unquote ministry, you know, but um, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, you know, and so we all have our own you know, ministries and there's ways for us to connect. And, um, you know, I feel sometimes sometimes she'll look for other opportunities of where we can get involved in ministries. And sometimes I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm bushwhacked by the time I get home Mm -hmm. because this is part of it.
1: Totally. You
3: you know what I mean? I even, even I'm helping organize the mayor's prayer breakfast uh, here in town coming up later this year. And I even said to my boss, I go, you know, this was a great way to use some of the connections I had to help promote this, and I'm going to help uh, organize some of it. And so, to me, that's ministry. You know, yes. it's, just, it's, it's using the best of what I can bring to the table, even though it doesn't. It's not necessarily ministry. It kind of is. And, and and again, it's so fulfilling, A, And as a result of that, it's so impactful as well. And that's what makes my life now on the other side of TV and on the other side of kind of this journey really special for me it's vastly different my life looks vastly different than it did six years ago but it's so much more fulfilling and i would say important from a impact side
1: well if i can just jump in there jared one thing that i think calling and career is sometimes mystified and also we elevate certain platforms of influence and we say this is ministry and These happen to all start with M, but this is just like what God downloaded as you were talking. Whether you're a a meteorologist on TV, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're in the military serving our country, whether you're locally or overseas doing humanitarian work in missions, Mm -hmm. whether you're in the marketplace working a nine-to-five job, or whether you're quote-unquote in full-time vocational ministry at a church, that is your ministry if it's what God asked you to do.
3: That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, I'm actually speaking to um, some local farmers uh, next week. I don't know if you may know this, but the farming, the farming arena is very difficult. Farming markets are Tally. tough, and, and you know, family farming is just it's becoming less and less lucrative. My main message that, I'm, that I give to groups like this, especially because I've had the opportunity now to share with probably 10 agricultural groups in the last year, is I say, your value as a human being is not wrapped up in how well your farm is doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, Again, your value is not wrapped up in, do you have the high profile job and career? It doesn't even matter how much money you have in the bank. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's not of that. Your, your innate value does not change. And so what I'm gonna encourage these farmers to do on Monday, which is a message I've given to, again, several groups, is I say, you know, the things that are, have eternal value and eternal significance. If you're a farmer, for example, is your relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. which many farmers are very faith-based and so that resonates well with them. It's your relationship with your spouse. It's your relationship with your kids. And I've watched some farmers, it's been so inspiring. I mean, I've talked with groups and their farm is literally falling apart, but their 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 family unit is stronger than ever. And I'm like, you're, you're killing it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, financially, it's not the it's not the way that you would want it but you're you are you are living the dream so to speak it doesn't look like that on the outside but i'm not going to base my my success by the world standards based on how i would be doing by the world standards i'm going to base on something different so i think i think you're right i think you can be any of those vocations and um, be really living a significant life whether you get a lot of Notoriety, mm-hmm. have a high profile job and career, have tons of Instagram followers, it's actually irrelevant. And that's another reason I think, another epiphany I've had since leaving television, because I, I wouldn't have always said that. i probably give you a different, different answer prior five, six years ago.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, Jared. It's such an eye opening experience whether you're in whatever vocation to recognize work as though you're working for the Lord. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, like He's called you to live in such a way that those two things do intersect and it is part of your daily routine. And I know that God saved you from yourself, essentially, you had mentioned in your story. like, And I think any of the listeners, if you haven't been to that point, that there may be a breaking point in every single listener's life or a challenge down the road that God will save you from yourself, from your own ego. and I, Or you feel capped out of a job and you feel the, the pressure to move out or you feel that calling or whatever verbiage you want to use. But I know that I had that similar thing. I was back in North Dakota and ended up moving to Minnesota um, in my late 20s and recognizing that God had called me to something bigger, to something greater, and I had to let my old self die in that process. But I remember moving here. This is a funny and embarrassing story. So I moved here, lived downtown Minneapolis um, in a studio with like, they're like 300, 400 square feet, 15 foot ceilings, couldn't get any reception. I'm like, I'm not paying for cable. So I'd go to the gym. And I kept hearing Carol Levin, Carol Levin, Carol Levin. And I'm not from here, so I don't know the news stations. And literally four years later, I thought it was Carol, Evan, like a, a woman's name, Carol <laughs> Evan, C A R O L, Evan. And I was sitting there running on, tr- on the treadmill and I was like, oh, it was an epiphany. I'm like, oh my gosh, Care 11 is the news. <laughs> so that's super embarrassing to be like, okay, that was a big, a big breakthrough, stupid moment for me. And I'm like, oh my word. So every time I hear Care 11 and I think of you, and I'm just like, I think of that moment of, I don't know. Whatever I was thinking or going through.
3: Take back <laughs> on that. You're not the only one. This is true. Uh, Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen's dad. Okay. Him and another actor were in the studio taping something because they had a show coming up. So they're in. They were, they were in Minneapolis. they were going to shoot a promo for us. And so, of course, you know, there's kind of a crowd forming. You know, with all the employees that want to get check out. Uh, Mar- is it Martin Sheen? It's yeah. Charlie yeah. Sheen's- yeah. Martin Sheen. So he's walking out of the studio and he goes, "Who the heck is Carol Evans?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm glad I'm not the only one we can have our moment together <laughs> yep and
3: then somebody's like no it's Carol 11 he's like oh, oh God <laughs> I, like, I, I, every time somebody says Carol 11 I say to my wife I'm like who's Carol 11
0: <laughs> <11?" laughs> oh gosh which took me four years lucky he got corrected in one little sentence yeah. but oh my gosh that's too funny
3: But I think you know going back to your point I think that there's something I, I, I would guarantee you somebody's listening to this and there's so there's a stir. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it, it might not it might not come to fruition yet. There was a stir in me 10 years before my final show at Carolina. Before I had even kind of, quote, unquote, reached even mediocre success, which, which kind of represents my entire TV career. But before I even got to even a little bit of success, there was already a stir in me. It took 10 years to come to fruition. Right. And so people pat me on the back and they say, oh, you're so brave. Do what you did. Really, all I did was just be mildly obedient and I say mildly obedient because again if I had known what was ahead I probably wouldn't have done it Right, which shows you just how corrupt our hearts are, and that's the beauty of faith. You don't know, right. you don't know what you don't know. And again, I think um, uh, that's that's where it, that's what it's all about. If we knew, well, what then? What's the point of having faith? You
0: know? Right, Jared. Would you share with the audience how did you prepare for that transition? Like whether that's financially, maybe having long, hard conversations with your wife Emily. Like how did you prepare for that major transition? You said it was over ten years. You felt God stirring, but to the listener today who may be feeling the stir right now. It's good. What would you want to speak over into their life?
3: Well, I think there's there's two conversations. And I'm sure we'll kind of develop this through the conversation. But if I ever wrote a book someday, I'd probably title it Two Questions. And the two questions are why and how. There's a life and there's a money aspect. The why is the life. It's it it's the uh, it's the it's the what do you want? It's the purpose, it's the what do I feel being called into. If you have that stir, there's there's some sort of discontentment going on perhaps it's a holy discontentment. It might be kind of like a fleshy discontentment. There's probably, you need to kind of discern that too. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I I can tell the ones that are kind of the fleshy discontentments, they come and go daily. But it was like this discontentment with TV didn't go away for a decade. It would kind of come and go in seasons, but it it was just one of these things where I would get a wave of success in my career. I was like, well, maybe this is it. And then it was kind of the newness would wear, wear off and then it would keep coming back. So i think there's a there's an amount of just really self awareness of like is this it's just me being grumpy because of the position i'm in or is this really something bigger than that right so that's kind of that kind of is the the why again the mission goes into that calling purpose identity it's it's the life and here's the thing you don't know when the door is going to open you don't know when you feel like now is the time to pull the mm-hmm. trigger. For me, it was May, 2014. It was without a shadow of doubt. It was time to like, my toes are on the edge of the cliff and it's time to jump. Even though that was 10 years in the making, I never knew exactly when that moment was gonna come or if it was gonna come, to be honest with you. But it, something was going to happen. That's where the how comes into play.
2: Mm-hmm. The
3: how is the financial piece. See, I'm, I, I, I consider myself, I'm not real smart, but I don't like just waiting around and just waiting for, like, the magical email to come mm-hmm. and the magical door to open. I'm a doer. I want to be as proactive as I can. So while I'm waiting for perhaps the opportunity or the door for God to open up, which, again, could come at noon today or it could come in 10 years, I'm going to do everything I can today mm-hmm. to prepare for that. And so again, that's the financial part. And I'll just just give you kind of the five things I talk about. I talk about getting out of debt. I talk about having savings, cash in the bank. I talk about living on less than you make. I talk about budgeting. I talk about giving. And I believe if you do those five things, you're in such a position so that when God gives you Mm -hmm. the green light, you just go. And I can think of uh, two dozen what-if scenarios. What if we hadn't done that? and carol evan came calling and i'll just share a little i'll I'll just i'll share with one what if um when my wife and i got married in 2007 um we were on the verge of buying a house and not small house like 300 400 dollar house mind you we're two kids in our 20s who don't have hardly any money (laughs) and that's when i i literally had this serendipitous uh, uh, I crossed paths with a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey, who you may have talked on the show, and obviously Josiah, you're a huge fan, and definitely. For those who are listening? Just search Dave Ramsey, Josiah Keneally, and you'll see some fun stuff on the internet. So I'm <laughs> Dave Ramsey's story, and so do I. But uh, instead of buying that house, we did the exact opposite. We paid off our debt, saved, and then saved like crazy people. And by the way, this was during the Great Recession, so I mean, wow. this is at this is 2007. Wow. So that $300,000 house in 2010 was worth half. That's when Carol Levin came calling. Unreal. Now, what if we had bought that house? And by the way, I don't want I like to share this a lot in the open public, but I for the same job, I moved from Phoenix to the Twin Cities and I took a twenty-seven percent pay cut.
2: Ooh, and crazy. Did it
3: will, and did it really willingly because at that time our why, our what do you want, really we really felt like it was time for us to move back home and start That's a good. family. Now we didn't know if and when that would ever happen. But we wanted to do everything that we could during that time, whether we were in Phoenix for a year or six years or 10 years, to put ourselves in a position so w- if and when the opportunity came, we went. And sure enough, in 2010, I got the phone call. And I took a 27% pay cut willingly, willingly to go back and chase kind of our next fit season in life, which was a phenomenal season, to come back to Minnesota and start a family. And it's exactly what we did. But. That was just one example what if we hadn't done that what if we hadn't positioned mm-hmm. ourselves financially what if we hadn't even come to the conclusion that that is what we wanted to do so it's kind of a two it's a two-fold conversation it's a why and a how where's my life what, what do i want for my life again you can break that down into the what do you want question i can break that down to purpose calling mission identity but then there's the how question that's the personal financial piece and you really ideally want to have both figured out yeah, yeah. here's mm-hmm. the thing most people I would say most people don't have the howl thing figured out they're way out of position financially so if the opportunity came they're not in a position to jump at it and i even have a theory i've got a couple of theories most of them are completely non-scientific i've just thought of them myself but if you ask people what do you want most people don't know they can give you an answer but they really don't mm-hmm. know and I'll, I'll hear things like well i just you know what i just want to be happy <laughs> you know, but I'm what like, is well, happiness? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, what does that even mean? And of course we all want to be happy. You know? And so I I I challenged your listeners. I mean, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, what do you want? Where you know, where is God specifically calling you? And you may not be able to answer that, but but try to get to the depths of it. You know, I, I meet a lot of business people and they're just very upfront with me, which I appreciate. They're like, you know what I want? I want to make more money. And I'm like, okay, fine. Why? Well, and usually you can, you can peel back that yeah. six yep. times, Yeah, you know, cause people say like, well, I, w- I want to make more money. Well, why? Well, so I don't struggle so much. Okay. So why? Well, so I can, you know, have a place for my family uh, to live comfortably. Okay. Why? Well, because I want to, I, I want to raise my children this way. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting to the depths of it. And a big, again, besides being called out of television, the biggest reason that I left the rat race is because my wife and I, We wanted to break it down into the most simplistic Mm -hmm. lifestyle we could. I wanted to create the most margin we possibly could to raise our family, the way Mm -hmm. we felt called to do it. And I got to say, we can do it because we've established our why and our how. And so you have to Mm -hmm. answer those two questions.
1: Jared that resonates with my heart so much is what's interesting is what you just said though, is so countercultural. The world around us kind of culture today would say bigger is better faster is better in in the weight room stronger is better climb the ladder more 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 is kind of the message of america maybe mm-hmm. even people misunderstand the american dream as more security safe safety stability and um one of the things I remember, we were on a deep phone call talking about life, talking about being in a season where at the time Mike and I were dual income, no kids, which is fun that you call that Dinks.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I didn't
3: come up with that, by the way. I, so if people always get like mildly offended by that, I'm like, why well, didn't come up
1: with that. <laughs> it's on it's on Google, but but one of the things that you told me that I've never been able to unhear is you you're like Josiah, you've got to keep your life excruciatingly simple, and. To me, that is such a countercultural message. And Jesus, who we follow, he was totally countercultural. He would kind of take the norm of society and flip the Mm -hmm. script on his head. But I think that in our day, there's such a hustle. You called it the rat race. There's such a achievement striving and there's such a Mm -hmm. accumulation striving for more. And I just wonder, what sparks that countercultural approach in your heart, or how did how did you even arrive at that saying of like keep your life excruciatingly simple, focus on what matters most?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I like that word excruciatingly. Just it's just a funny word, a. but uh, no, I, I'm a fan of simplicity. But you have to go back to what is my personal. What do you want? Again, if you ask my wife and I, we want simplicity. The antithesis of simplicity was working at Carol 11 in the Twin Cities. And that's no disrespect to the TV business. That was just the nature of the game. The big city had a whole high-profile job and career. So by default, my life was not simple. And that's what we wanted, and that's what made the leaving fairly easy. So some people don't want the simple life. But I will tell you, I think the, the, the key word here is margin. Mm, I'm a good. huge proponent of margin. In fact, when I talk about one of my five keys, which is saving money, which everybody knows, again, right. I've gone into talks and I'm like, there's nothing I'm going to say here that you don't already know. I'm, I'm literally in five minutes, I'm going to tell you, you should save money. Duh. You know? <laughs> I, what when I, when I tell people is I say, if you can get cash in the bank and create a buffer between you and life happening, which is what Dave Ramsey said, you have now created margin in your life. Totally. Margin's phenomenal. I love margin. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love, I love like just having tons of space in my schedule Hmm. because that allows me to then just kind of take a step back and just kind of look at life, you know, from kind of the proverbial 30,000 foot view. Right. When we're, when, when we're, just slamming and jamming every day and by the way I like to be busy and I like to be productive I'm not suggesting that I just you turn into this unproductive person I'm not suggesting that type of life but is there room to just kind of look at the bigger picture for example I'm gonna just use one kind of offshoot example when I left care 11 I was unemployed I got offered two jobs in Sioux Falls where, where I wanted to go at that time the following week and turned them both down. Wow. Hmm. And they were just like, What? And people were just offended, like literally almost offended that I would have the gall to turn this down. And I'm like, well, I don't have to because I have margin in my life. I don't have any debt, I have no payments, and we're sitting on some cash. So I don't I don't have to have it. There's something very special about margin. I always joke too, I say, you know, if, if you can if you can create margin in your life financially, mm-hmm. you've now created a margin in your life time wise. If you look at my schedule, I kid you not. You know what I got planned this weekend?
0: Margin. Spontaneous.
3: I got nothing. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing because now all of a sudden I've got all this margin where I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And uh, I, I can, basically my Saturday is literally just a full-time play day with my wife and children. It's whatever you guys want to do. I'm kind of busy during the week, but whatever you want to do, draw pictures, you got it. And that's, it's an entire day of just of a margin, but you're right. It is, it is counter-cultural. And uh, I, I, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little bit of a rebel, okay? And so, like, if (laughs) if something I'm doing is irritating people, I kind of do it more. (laughs) Okay? And so, like, for example, you guys know what I drive. And I I hate to admit this on this podcast because a lot of people are going to listen to this. But I drive a 2006 green Prius, all right? It's the saddest car on the planet.
1: It's nicknamed the Lambo. I do know that
3: that came as a joke because again <laughs> the facade when i was on tv is that i got paid in gold bars and here <laughs> and, and drives a lamborghini so on twitter i started i started joking that i you know i took the lambo in and got an oil change the truth is and i think here's the sad thing i think a lot of people actually believe that oh no <laughs> but the tr- what made it what made it a joke is that i drive this pile of a car and uh I, it's only the third car i've ever owned in my life i'm almost 42 and i owned a, i owned an 87 chevy celebrity uh, when I was in high school and that got me through college and then I bought a 96 Honda Accord and pretty much my entire TV career I was driving a beat up 96 Accord sold it for various reasons which I'll spare you on the podcast but then I bought this <laughs> stupid Prius and it, 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 it is just it's just so sad and, but I love that car because it allows my wife and I to live on so much less than we make what it, what it cost me to own and operate that car is laughable <laughs> and it gives us more margin
0: and it gets you from point A to point B
3: <laughs> yeah, and I really don't care. Now, if if you if if some of you listening are yeah. car people and you like that's fine, but you yeah. have to understand in life there's a give and a take. I could go, I you know, I could go buy a really cool expensive car, but now I, I have kind of metaphorically taken away some of my power and margin to live uh, live the way that I want to live. Right. But here's here's going back to the rebel piece. My Prius offends people. Like when people, for one, when they, they for one I'm six six, so I'm I'm just awkwardly <laughs> tall.
0: You sit in the back me,
3: seat and see now I work in the financial world, so I should be driving a Lexus. I mean, just by default, if you just kind of if you just put me up on a marker board and look at my resume, I you are like you should you should be driving a black Lexus. And I come pulling in with this beat up green Prius and people they, they just can't they just it, it just it just bothers some people. <laughs> I mean, when I go to the gym, I mean, it's, it's, I I work out at the local YMCA and I wear, I wear the most recycled dad lawnmower shoes I can find. And I wear long white socks up to my knees (laughs) and I do it. And I kind of do it purposely because people, they, they know who I am and they just, I get weird looks all the time. And it's kind of like, it's kind of my, it's kind of my, my silent rebellion against what you just mentioned. Against the world's view on what success is, and when they understand just how free and happy and fulfilled I am, and then they see how we live, it, they just it, just it just can't, it just it just can't wrap their brain around it.
0: That is but so I think funny. that kind of
3: goes back to the facade. If I ever write a book someday, the first the first chapter is going to be resist the template, don't buy the lie that success is all wrapped up in what the world has to say. If you can if you can get over that mindset, you're already halfway home. Right. If you're gonna play if you're gonna play the world's game. Oh, man, it's going to be a long road because it will, it will never be enough. It will always be more. I'll, I'll throw this out here before your next question. A great book is called Essentialism by mm. Craig McKeown. Wow. has that that a phenomenal book. And the, the subtitle to that book is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And it's not about being a minimalist. I'm not a proponent of being a, min, a minimalist. It's about getting rid of all the fad in your life. Everything that is unnecessary, we're going to get rid of. If I don't need it in my life, I don't do it. The more, the older I get, the more I say no. My my work associates, no, you know I I like I I like these guys and gals, but unless it's a work event, I'm not going to hang out with you afterwards. I'm going to get home with my wife and kids. No offense, they're more important. I'm here eight hours with you all day. You know, I like to play golf, but I'm not going to play golf on the weekends. That's my time with my kids. And I've eliminated everything else because I love margin so much. And that's the crux of the book. So that's how I view life.
0: Jared, that's so good to recognize that margin creates freedom and spontaneity for anybody, whatever stage of life, married, single, kids, whatever, but to create that. But one thing that we don't like to hear is how debt can hold us back. And we obviously know that you are – fascinated by that topic that you really encourage people to get out of debt and debt is killing the dreams of many young people and you've got a heart and passion for helping people jumpstart their finances so what does financial wellness look like for the listener today what would you say about that
3: yeah i think it goes back to kind of uh, those five keys Uh, financial wellness isn't having a bunch of money in the bank financial wellness isn't having a great credit score it's really having the ability to have Options that's good and have freedom. Yeah. And again, when I go into the "what do you want?" question, a lot of people say freedom. I just want freedom. So I think there's there's this an innate desire that we want to be able to live life the way that we feel called to. And what what and that sound that that's a, that's a, a very secular answer, but that should be a very Christian answer too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want I want to open myself and be as free as I possibly can. Yep. To do whatever God calls me to do. Right, It crushes me. When you see these young people, they come walking out of college, do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> they've got, you know, 60, 80, $90,000 in debt, really not that concerned about it. And that's what also scares me. You know, the fact that they've got the debt that scares me, but I've met so too many people who are, have mountains of debt and not real concerned. Right. You know, And now all of a sudden, um, you know, and it hasn't really caught up with them yet because they're still pretty young you know, and green, but you will get to a point, you'll get to be my age and you will have a mortgage and you'll have a growing family and there's gonna be things that you're gonna wanna do and you'll feel called to do and you won't be able to. And I have to say, when I left CARE 11, there was one, there was one coworker of mine and when the word came out I was leaving, he came over and he shook my hand and I could see it written all over his face. He goes, Jared, I'm, I'm, congratulations. And the look on his face was, I wish I could, I wish I could be as free as you. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy where I've had conversations before off, uh, you know, outside of work and, and uh, again, Mm -hmm. makes good money, but um, has a lot of payments and a lot of debt and is living beyond their means and burnt out. Right, mm-hmm. and and has no freedom, and I'm like, what a tragedy! Because what mm-hmm. if God was calling him to some some someplace else, and now all of a sudden the answer is no, when God's trying to say yes. Right, and we can put and, and, and here's no, nothing to, to, to kind of rip on the Christian theology on life, but some people's some people's idea on this is they're like, you know, I just do what I want, you know, and if God wants me to do it, he'll open up a way, which isn't not true. Right. But there there is some responsibility.
1: Totally. It's called stewardship.
3: (laughs) Yes, there's stewardship. There's consequences to the decisions that we make. So, you know, if we go and just go on a train wreck spree spending wise and riddle ourselves with debt, you there will be an an amount of you know borrow a slave to a lender. And that that to me that's a tragedy. So I really I really preach this message hardcore as as do you guys, I know, to young people. It's a tough sell. It's a tough sell to a twenty one year old because uh, I remember being 21, but yeah, and that's why I don't like it. I, I get tagged as a money guy. I'm not, I'm a life guy. You mm-hmm. know, I, I want people to be totally free and open to, to follow God's calling. And it's hard to do when you just have to chase a paycheck your whole life. Right.
1: Jared, I love that. It resonates deeply, as you know, with my heart and my soul and just core convictions that I have. And while you were just talking, I was describing kind of a path of two options or a path that comes to a fork in the road and a split. And one is the free life with margin where you can follow obediently what God has. And the other is sadly a life where the answer is no. And the wise answer is no because of previous Consequences or previous decisions, and I think John Piper, who's uh, Doctor John Piper, has this book that I think every young person should read called "Don't mm-hmm. Waste mm-hmm. Your Life." And I think that he talks about the American Dream and don't buy it. And he just he just talks about you can waste your life, and I think that debt would be a way one way to waste your life. And it's it's saying no to freedom. It's saying no to what God might have later and have in store for you. And at the same time. I think you're an expert on career transition because you deeply know about it. You've walked that path. And I believe for 100% of us, all of us, career transition is inevitable. It used to be you worked for Henry Ford mm-hmm. for 40 plus years, you retired and you know there is that's what you did. You had one employer your whole life and now the current generation might have six employers by the time they're 30 and nothing's wrong with either but that's just kind of the facts of where we're at in life but a lot of our listeners are young adult pastors college pastors they're in church ministry leadership and many of them are even going as far as thinking i am where god wants me to be forever and yet sometimes the best place for us is to be desperate beyond measure before the lord when god kicks us out of the nest so to speak mm-hmm. And out of our comfort zone, into the uncharted waters, into unfamiliar territory, and the land of unfamiliar. And will you talk about career transition for a second? And maybe, maybe somebody's listening even has that stir that you described or has that dream. But it scares them. What would you say to that, that listener?
3: Hmm. Yeah, again, I think it goes back to the how. Establish your how. And you can actually start working on that today. And no offense against any pastors or young pastors out there, but I've worked with many of them over the years. They're notoriously not great with money. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that, I don't know if if they kind of fall into the uh, artist category, because typically, like people that are very free spirited, just generally, and that's not a diss on anybody listening here. Please don't be offended by that. I'm just saying, to a general personality standpoint, generally speaking, uh, people in ministry aren't uh, great savers. And I would highly challenge you to take that seriously, mm-hmm. starting immediately.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, that is the that's the greatest way to kind of weather the storm. Again, no pun intended. Uh, when I was stepping into the unknown and knew it was coming up, really, and this sounds really, this sounds bad, but like probably for that last six months to a year before I knew my final show at Care Lab was coming, I just stockpiled cash because I just we just didn't know. Um, you lovely couple here are expecting a baby, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, this yeah. th- you're walking into a period of unknown.
0: <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it kind of transcends career. But uh, I, again, I, w- I would really just work on the things that you can work on right now. And then there's also another good book out there. And he's a, he's a cohort of uh, Dave Ramsey, Ken Coleman. Totally. The, the Proximity pr- Principle. He talks a lot about getting around the people that you may want to uh interact with on a career standpoint i've always been a fan of fishermen and what i have done a lot of i've done anything right, right when it comes to career is even though like today i'm not ready to make a career change there's a guy out there who i would love to just make just have coffee with or have a phone call with mm-hmm. and there have been many times where I've come home from work or, and this is, this isn't like right now, like I'm looking for a different job right now, but like over the years, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to reach out to so-and-so. And my wife was like, why? I'm like, I just feel like we just need to have a conversation. And I have probably done that 50 times that I could maybe remember <laughs> in the last 10 years. And really nothing has come to fruition out of 49 of them, but you just like, there's that one connection. Yep. Right. I mean, where you just hit it off with this guy or gal and you're like, wow, that has opened a door and perhaps this might be a great move. So again, I think it's twofold. I think it's life and money, it's why and how, it's relationships and networking, but it's also really not mm-hmm. sitting on your hands and waiting for that proverbial door to open someday. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Right. And just waiting that God's gonna open the door and take care of everything. He can and he might, but I'm all about let's do what we can do now. Again, the biggest way to do that, let's get out of debt let's start saving if you're not on a budget get on one and again I'm I'm not taking a shot at pastors but pastors the ones I work with notoriously not great at at saving and doing this and um, again don't let just because I'm a pastor and probably don't make a ton of money let that be an excuse to be like well it's just all going to work out in the end Right, You know what I'm saying? Don't let that be an excuse to not be really diligent about this. And uh, generally pastors are, are, are huge givers. And that's, that's, a, that's a great thing too. But again, there, there is certainly something substantial about staying away from debt and saving as well. So again, it's kind of a twofold answer. I'll
1: just jump in for 30 seconds and say that one thing that I had a friend who happens to be a financial advisor told me when I was 16 years old. And this is what he got me on the path doing then. He's like, Josiah, we're going to pick a number every month. And I think I was 16 years old, didn't have much um, expenses, and I was working a ton. And so he's like, Josiah, we're going to stretch your savings muscle, and you're going to save $500 a month. <laughs> and, and what I'm going to do is, he's like, I'm going to challenge you to do that, and you're going to need this later for marriage, for college, for a house, for a car, for whatever, for the future. And that's what savings is for. And he's like, what we're going to do is we're going to take that money, automatic withdraw and it just went into another bank. So it was like a rent payment, it was like a car payment, it was like a uh, utilities payment that just gets automatically withdrawn, which is great, and then you don't miss it, you don't Mm -hmm. see it. And so then fast forward to college, I was able to graduate debt-free because I had been saving money for that purpose. When we got married, Mm -hmm. we were able to take some steps towards what God was calling us and asking Mm -hmm. us to do because we had been saving And using that savings muscle. And so I just translate that into everyone. Pick a number. I get it that now our expenses are a lot more. I had a lot more free-flowing cash when I was 16 <laughs> than we do today. But we still pick a number each month that, you That's know right. what, we don't touch that money. And it doesn't sit in our checking account. It doesn't sit in our TCF bank. It goes to a different financial institution, and we don't touch it. And then then we've needed it for a house. We've needed Absolutely. it for right. a car. We've needed it for the future, and Mm -hmm. that's called life. So, yeah,
3: Yeah. and again, I, 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 I I think, I think that's biblical and we're not going to start a theology conversation, but I think, I think Mm -hmm. that there's, there's something biblical in that. I'm not mad at people that don't have savings and don't have debt. I don't think it's a sin issue, but also in Proverbs, it does say to borrow a slave to the lender and and a wise man stores up grain. Mm -hmm. You know know what I'm saying? I think there also is a, a, a cutoff where we put too much, and I probably have crossed this line at different points in my life where I put too much faith in my bank account. Yep. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there's a fine line there too. But but to just to walk through life aimlessly with no savings and no margin and just with the attitude like, well, God's going to take care of it. I don't know if that's exactly correct all the time either. You know what I'm saying? So it's there's a delicate balance there. We're not going to put our faith in our bank account, but I think it's very smart to have that. And, and again, just from my perspective, take the faith out of it. What that has allowed me and my wife to do, to chase really what I feel God's calling on our life, has been, 100% effective.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: I don't think that that's a, a bad thing. Because <laughs> right. I don't think it's a bad thing to have a little cash in the bank and, and to build that margin like we've been talking about.
0: Right. And I think that's a great opportunity to just include the listener in on that is what is God asking you to steward and the why and the how? And you can start that today. It doesn't have to wait when you're 50 years old and you're trying to understand the concept of retirement or savings then. But what can you do now? And how can they, you know, journal that out? sit down with their spouse, start dreaming, maybe if they're in a season of singleness and in ministry or whatever they're doing in life. So the why and the how. Well, Jared, we've come to the point in our um, time and in the podcast, we have five in five. And why do we do this? Because we want to hear more from you. How do we do this? We will be asking you a question and you will have 60 (laughs) seconds to answer the five questions we have for you. Do you think you were up for it?
3: I'm up for it, but that's trying. I'm an ex-weather man, so I need at least 10 or 12 minutes per question. Divided
0: by. no.
1: <laughs> she, do you see what she did there? She get, casted the vision of why and how. Nice job, that's Micah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so question number one, I've heard you say this before, and I just want to drive it home one last time. You've said that money is the easiest problem to fix. Why is that, and where could people start today?
3: It's the easiest problem to fix because you can always make more. It's just a number in a lot of ways. Um, You can create it. You can actually go out and make more, or you can actually go out and create it. The hardest thing to fix is the condition of the human heart. That's why Jesus came and did what he did. It's it's the biggest problem on the face of the planet. It's not money, it's the human heart. Dave Ramsey says that money is 80% behavior. Behavior is connected to the condition of the human heart. So again, more times than not, money problems are a result of behavior. Rarely is it amount of money just touching base on your stewardship thing, too. I would agree. Even if people are on baby step one and are living mm-hmm. totally paycheck to paycheck, we should still be giving. Right. It's, it, it, we need to be flexing that stewardship muscle at any point throughout your journey. Um, but money in and of itself is actually just the easiest problem to fix. It's just usually a byproduct of, of a behavior issue. That's why I say that.
0: So good. Question number two, what is living the dream for you specifically?
3: Me specifically, living sp- living as simply as possible. I live in a small town, I live in a $100,000 house, I walk to work, My li- you could not drop my life any more simple than what it is right now. To me, if I'm living a simple life and having impact, I'm crushing it when that's what I'm doing. But uh, nobody's asking for pictures for me anymore i tell you that much. Nobody wants my selfie. Nobody cares.
0: Wait until I start asking if you're Josiah Kennelly. Then they'll no, I'm kidding, I'm just
3: kidding. <laughs> I got recognized one time last month and it hasn't happened for like a year. I was in a gas station locally and they're like, are you the guy who used to be on 11?" And I was like, yes, I am. And the attendant goes, that'll be a $1.51. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was all the part of the conversation. Like, she didn't, that was that was how impressed she was. That's all she cared.
0: Oh, dang.
1: <laughs> so, Jared. I like to sometimes throw people a curveball. The curveball question today, we've never asked this before, but if you could ask us one question, maybe it's about what we talked about, maybe it's not, but if you could keep us on our toes, what question would you have for us today?
3: Well, I mean, the fact that you're having your first child, I have three children, I would say, um, are you catching up on your sleep? (laughs) I know I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sleep as much as you can the answer is yes we're
1: we're saving and building margin in our sleep now so we, when we need to spend our sleep later we'll have a surplus
3: <laughs> that's you not know, even I a th- real th- thing a piece of <laughs> Everything, no matter how no matter how uh, uh active or let me, let me put it this way what the ease of this first year is going to be dictated by what that baby does between 9 p.m and 6 a.m He or she can be a total train wreck all day, but if he or she sleeps from nine to six, life is good.
0: That's what I'm praying for.
3: (laughs) Baby, do you hear that? I I can can tell by looking at you guys, you're gonna have a nice, easy, sleepy baby. Praise God, we
1: declare and believe that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jerry, question number four. Would you be willing to tell us in the audience one of your most um, epic failures that you've experienced thus far in life, or I guess, however you wanna take that.
3: (laughs) Sure. I mean, you mean like on a situational base or how I've made a fool of myself on camera or like, oh, you
0: can make the audience laugh or you can make us learn one of the two (laughs) or both.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've uh, I've tripped on the air. I've fallen on the air. Um, I've inhaled bugs on the air. (laughs) So I mean, I I don't need any help making, you know, making a fool of myself in front of people. Um, I would say, you know, going taking this question seriously, though, I did have I did have. Probably that one of the toughest seasons was right after I left and it was the identity crisis. I really walked around with who am I? I would challenge your listeners, you know, like especially if you're in ministry, especially if you're on a platform. If you have a platform, it's very easy to now we start finding identity in that. Right? right. And that that is a that's it's, it's tough and it's really tough for guys. I mean, I, I'm speaking from my perspective. Success and 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 being a Christian guy is a slippery slippery slope. I look at Francis Chan, at this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. this dude had it all from mm-hmm. a ministry standpoint and is walking away. That takes tremendous self-awareness. So I'd always challenge you, just like really just do us do a gut check all the time. It's easy to say, like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I know I got the growing ministry, and I know it's not about me. I know it's about God, blah blah blah. That's easy to say, and we totally. know that's the right answer. But I'd always do a self-check and always really make sure that that uh, it's not going overboard, but it, it's, a, it's tough. And I failed there miserably uh, walking on a TV. It was very apparent when I got out of TV, just how bad over the line I was. It's wow. a tough
0: one. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah, thanks for being transparent and vulnerable and honest and even going some places that I know that you said you haven't gone before on air. And so we're grateful for you. And if we could <clears throat> wrap up on any note that you want to, if you were in a room of college pastors, young adult ministry leaders, and you could leave them with one thing, what would you leave them with today, Jared?
3: I would. It's the same question I leave almost every one of my audiences. I would contemplate that, well, what do you want question.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Really seriously contemplate it. Most people, when they hear that question, they're like, I know. I know what it is. And they, bam, they can come up with it. And again, my theory is 60%, over half, people really couldn't put their finger on it. Right. And if that, that's a question you need to contemplate, uh, if you're married, it's it's a it's that is a conversation you should be having for hours with a spouse. And again, if you're a Christian listening to this, that's something that you should be you know kind of bringing to the throne, so to speak, as well. Mm-hmm. And that's not a question that's just going to get answered one time and it's over. My what do you want? Right. My what do you want? Answer has changed and morphed, but it's it's always it's 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 the thing I think about and contemplate the most is really what is kind of the next phase. And that doesn't mean I'm always itching for the next job and just looking to just change, but like. And then, and then, and then, lining that up, orienting that with my personal finances. So, if and when that comes into fruition, I'm ready to go. Right. And and if you can do that, you will be living with purpose. You will be living with intentionality and influence and impact. There's not a shadow of a doubt that that will happen if you can if you can answer those questions. That's
1: good. You know, on a closing note, I think of King Solomon, who, aside from Jesus, the Bible describes that there was no king. Who was wiser there was no one wiser on planet earth so he might have been the wisest human who ever lived who is not divine and he could have asked god for anything and it's almost like god was up in heaven saying hey solomon what do you want and it's almost like we have that same opportunity today with prayer and that the lord is saying like hey what do you want and for solomon it was wisdom to lead god's people and for us, I think even to just be aware, that might be worth this whole episode, to, mm-hmm. to be aware, like, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. Because God in heaven is offering that question to us. What are we asking for? What are we praying? And even to take it to a spouse and say, what is it that we want in life? And that can drive our why, that can drive our how. And so, Jared, that is a gold wisdom nugget. This is one of my favorite Episodes that we've done and we're just grateful for you, mm-hmm. for your voice of wisdom, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Audience, you can find out more about Jared Sebesta, an event called Jump Start, as well as the repurpose podcast when you connect with us online on our website, youngadults.today, as well as on the iTunes and Spotify platforms and in Google Play in the show notes. It's at youngadults.today. So until next time, this is Josiah and Micah with Jared Sebesta signing off. Until next time. Thanks so much, Jared.
3: See you guys.
0: Perfect. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.